0: Hello and welcome to 10x9, 9, where nine people have up to 10 minutes each to tell a true story from their own life. I'm Paul Doran and this is the 10x9 podcast. Well, we've got Halloween sorted, so I guess we'll be looking to the next big festival. But it's winter after all, so the ghosts and ghouls are still out there. Was he still
1: playing? Or had he really changed into some monster? What was real?
2: And the preacher man invites those who want this gift to stand. This gift from the Holy Ghost, Day, the new language of love.
0: OK, prepare for prankster parents and the gift of Kawasaki. It'll all become clear once you've heard our three stories. Yes, three. First off, let's go back to March of this year. And people often say to us they have a story, but it's not 10 minutes long, or they'll say they could never speak for 10 minutes. And we point out to them, the 10 minutes is a limit, not a target. And we've had many excellent, shorter stories. Well, here's one of them. It comes from a 10 by 9 veteran supporter. I hope she won't mind that. It's Margaret McClory. She told it in the black box in Belfast when the theme was reality. Take it away, Margaret.
1: My dad was gentle and kind. I say this because um, what you're about to hear doesn't portray that, um, but he was. And for this, mes- for this story, I hope there's no social workers in tonight. Um, he was a fan of horror films, black and white horror films. And as children of eight, nine and ten, he let us watch them with him. Parental guidance, I suppose you'd call it today. By 12, we had watched The Birds. A chill runs down my back when I see crows gathering. We were watching black a black and white film on the edge of our seats. In the dark basement, a coffin lay. A damsel in distress, trying to find her way out. A creaking noise. The coffin was opening. The damsel screamed. We all screamed. The film moved on to the next scene. Someone was still Screaming. Who was it? My sister, mouth wide open, curled in a ball, screaming. Another black and white horror film. People had been murdered, cut into pieces. The pieces wrapped in brown paper, tied up with string, but it wasn't the sound of music. And the body parts were stored in a freezer. The freezer lid opened, and out came, one by one, the pieces of body, each in the paper wrapping. They wriggled and crawled along the floor to their next victim. After the film, as we lay in bed, afraid to close our eyes, for fun, my gentle, kind dad, wrapped his arm in a paper bag, (laughs) lay on the floor outside our room, ...and wriggled his arm into the room. (laughs) We screamed and screamed. In my child's mind, it was going on for far too long. Was he still playing? Or had he really changed into some monster? What was real? This monster scaring us into thinking he had some way... been transformed and changed forever... Or the warm memories of nights we could go to bed in a house with no central heating. On these nights, we plugged in our six feet long heater. We got ready for bed and jumped in shouting to Dad that we were ready. He'd come up, lift our blankets off the radiator and lay them on top of us. Snug as a bug in a rug. I can still feel the cosiness now. Many years later, we were both dealing with the reality of illness. We travelled to the hospital each week for treatment. The hospital cafe didn't sell cherry scones, his favourite, so I brought them with me on our weekly visits. We bought tea and enjoyed sitting under the sign which read, only food bought here can be consumed here. (laughs) On the many trips to the hospital, there was loads of time to talk, but we were never good at talking about feelings. So what was I to do now? Was he scared? What was going on in his mind about all of this? I clumsily tried to ask, but he wasn't for answering. He just noticed how colourful the flowers were, how his memories were golden, golden days, he would say. As I listened at his wake, I discovered just how kind he was. Things and stories I had never known about. How much he had quietly helped people. He was indeed gentle and kind. And he was buried two days just before the first ever 10 by 9 here that I was at. And the theme of that night was love. (laughs) Thank you very much, Margaret. A lovely story about your gentle dad with a twisted sense of humour. And I should say, if you think that that is twisted, you should hear Margaret's stories about her mother, which we will
0: um, hear some other time, I'm sure. Well, it's funny you should say that, Padraig, because at our most recent 10 9 in the Black Box, Margaret shared the story of her mother when the theme was trick. It's essential that
1: you understand that my parents loved each other. Although sometimes it seemed they didn't, in the end, they really did. So let me introduce you to my mum. She was a lover of black humour. Scaring four-year-old grandchildren with severed bloody fingers and (laughs) matchboxes. In her 80s, pumping blood around a scary Halloween face. She always had sharp knives in the kitchen, but she always hid them. And when she came to my house, she used to take them out of the knife stand and put them into the drawer. Because in her world, you never know when someone will snap and they're too easy to get to stab someone. It's desperate. When I was a child, we were on holiday in Dublin, and my mum was always plotting and planning. On the way home in the car, she started coughing and coughing, and we all got worried, as she seemed to lose her breath. The coughing continued, and then the blood appeared. Oh, my God. The car came to a sudden halt. Dad jumped out and around to the door, where she was, and the tissues. No mobile phones in those days to call an ambulance. So we was running around, where was the nearest one? At the corner, in the shop, someone's house and we children sitting in the back of the car, silent, so silent, hardly breathing, afraid to cry, frozen to the seat. A giggle was heard. Must be someone passing and laughing, but it got louder and louder. Not from outside, but from the car inside, from the front seat of the car, from the passenger seat of the car, from my mum who had changed her coughing for laughing. My dad's face would have frightened Satan himself. (laughs) It frightened us into the deepest silence, a deep, deep silence that was to last from Dublin to Belfast. (laughs) My mum had found a joke shop and bought a tablet-shaped thing. You bit into it and it produces blood and froth. She thought this was hilarious. My dad's mum had died six months earlier, coughing up blood. Hi, she laughed. It's terrible. We never did. Until the day she died, she laughed, and we never did. Our response was always, "No one is laughing. It's not funny." And how she laughed, and I'm sure she's still laughing. My dad died in September 2011. Five weeks later was Halloween, and she wondered, with the cares, what the cares would think it terrible if she dressed up. So she did dress up, a long grey wig hanging over the back of her wheelchair. And a pumping blood mask. <laughs> On the day she died, my sister and I sat at her bedside chatting, laughing, holding her hand. Her breathing changed, and we called a nurse who explained it wouldn't be long now. We sat again chatting, but watching and counting between breaths one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, each space between the breath longer and longer. We counted and looked at each other. This was it. No more breaths. We waited, and nothing. I pushed the bell to call a nurse, and at that exact moment, she loudly breathed her last, and we laughed. Oh, how we laughed.
2: (laughs) It's terrible.
1: (laughs) My mum had got the last laugh scaring the life out of us. God rest her.
0: (laughs) Margaret, thank you so much. Uh, Margaret wrote that tonight when she came in to help set up. Um, So she wrote that sitting there this evening, so I appreciate it. Oh, Margaret McClory, thank you so much. And it's true, she pulled that story together on the night. You are a star. And if you think you can follow in Mags' storytelling footsteps, then get in touch through our website, 10by9.com. We are always looking for storytellers. Or contact us through our social media channels. OK, on to our third story. And we were in Port Stewart as guests of Flowerfield Art Centre on October 28th, when the theme was ghosts. Here's 10 by 9 regular, Paul Hutchinson.
2: Well, hallelujah, here I am at 20, looking well, looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin. I had recently taken up with a group of zealous Christians who had just been told to leave their home church for being overly religious. This was confusing for me. Can you be too religious in a church it appears you can these lovely bunch of faith fanatics were wait for it clapping in church services they were not clapping at the minister's witty sermon they were not clapping at the announcement about how much money had been raised for the starving orphans in africa no they were clapping during the singing during what religious people call worship. And they had been told not to clap in the future, and they had clapped, having been told not to. I understood the disobedience in the face of a musty authority. What I didn't get was the serious hoo-ha about clapping. Was it right or not? Was God that desperate for applause? <laughs> I was confused about this nitpicking theology, but I liked the idea of a rebellion. Because I am 20, looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin. And so, having been told to exit their home church, this bunch of clapping Christian rebels went looking for a new spiritual home. And this was the time of house churches and the charismatic movement. So there were plenty to choose from, but there were no brochures. (laughs) You had to go and experience it yourself. And this group of eager, clap-happy evangelicals, mostly my age, there's one over there, coming out now, talked about a house on the Newtonards Road, a large detached townhouse, and of religious meetings that went on there. And he talked about visiting and seeing if this was a place that they could call home. I went along, hoping someone knew more than I did. And we arrive at this huge townhouse and it's packed with people who are smiling that like they are drunk or who have won the pools. And I am both suspicious and curious about so much (laughs) smiling. What do they know that I don't? And how do you behave around people this smiley? I smiled back, (laughs) eager to blend in, to belong. We were welcomed into the main living room where two blokes played songs I didn't know about God on acoustic guitars. They sang with their eyes closed and their faces pinched either in agony or delight. And this meeting had not got the memo about clapping during worship. (laughs) And so every up-tempo tune seemed to be an Olympic tryout for the loudest clapper event. (laughs) Clapping in time didn't seem to matter. Volume was the guiding rule. There were chairs for sitting, but people stood for the singing. I stood for the singing. I was a quick learner and people raised their hands as if they were trying to hold up an invisible collapsing roof. (laughs) There were tears of probably joy as each song went on and on with the minimal Jesus is the best lyrics repeated over and over and over. There were no hymn sheets for a reason because Jesus was apparently the best. (laughs) And then the guitars were led to rest, and we all sat down as a man in his 50s stood to speak about Jesus and God, and how Jesus was all about freedom. It was a freedom talk. And I am 20, looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin. And the man talking, the preacher man, looked at me during his talk and I looked away awkward. What did he know about me? What did he know about God? But I was responding to all this talk of freedom because I wanted to be free. The man talked about all or nothing and that was me. I was nothing and I wanted it all, or at least something. And then the man said something about a ghost. And I wasn't so sure about that, because usually a mention of ghost brings something scary. He said that a ghost was present. (laughs) Folk in the room were nodding. A couple were moaning in affirmation. I saw the nods and heard the moans, but I couldn't see or hear a ghost. The preacher man said it was a holy ghost. Did I want to meet a ghost, holy or otherwise? I looked over at an attractive brown-eyed girl. Please don't start singing that van song. (laughs) And she smiles at me like she wants to kiss me. But this is not that sort of meeting, so maybe I am misreading the situation because this is not a nightclub. We're catching someone's eye led to dancing and stuff. And by stuff, I mean, well, you know, because I am 20, looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin. An impeachment man says that the Holy Ghost is here to give us gifts, and that one of those gifts was the gift of tongues. I had heard about tongues, (laughs) not the French kitchen kissing type, no, some of my friends spoke in tongues, a kind of unintelligible burst of ecstatic words. I had a tongue, but I didn't know how to make it do that. And the preacher man invites those who want this gift to stand, this gift from the Holy Ghost Day, the new language of love. Do I look this gift ghost in the mouth? I can't see any sign of a ghost, let alone its mouth. I do start to hear strange noises coming out of human mouths. Languages I don't know. Some of it seems Asian. I hear what I think is the word Kawasaki several times. (laughs) Ghosty likes Japanese motorbikes. (laughs) The strange languages get louder. Most have only a few words. Others seem to have several verses and a chorus of strangeness. Step forward, says preacher man. Step forward and receive. I step forward because I am 20 and looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin. I'm told to raise my hands as a symbol of receiving. I raise my hands as a symbol of receiving. Peacher man lays a hand on my head. A stranger has his hand on my sweaty forehead. Maybe this level of awkward is part of the sacrifice. The noise level in the room is now reaching some kind of hysterical mayhem. But maybe it was the sound of heaven having a party. I couldn't interpret the sounds, but I really did wonder. Speak out your gift, says the man, nothing. Speak it out, nothing. Let's lift our voices and help this brother to receive his gift. Speak it out, nothing, (laughs) wrong. There's now a titanic expectation to demonstrate that I wanted to receive the Holy Ghost who was a God, only not God. Speak it out! Nothing, only the pressure. Speak it out! I open my mouth, think about Japanese motorbikes. Wonder if I should slur Kawasaki and Yamaha together. and fake speaking in tongues only one word is looming larger and larger and larger a word in english disappointment the preacher man smiles and says the gift will come give it time and everyone in the room looks at me and says amen and the brown eyed girl is giving me her shalala eyes, and I turn back to my seat, shrivelling inside from a sense of failure. And because I am twenty and looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin, I go back to the haunted house the next week. And the brown-eyed girl is there, and she comes over to me, and my face is starting to glow with anxiety and anticipation. Well, she said, diving right in, did you get the gift? Did you get the gift of tongues? And I looked into her beautiful, shining eyes and said, yes. Yes. Yes, I did. I got the gift of tongues. I got the gorgeous gift of tongues. She smiled and her brown eyes twinkled and she gave me a little pat on the arm with her hand. But I was lying. I had not received the gift of tongues from the Holy Ghost Day, but I couldn't tell her that. And I hoped there wasn't going to be a Holy Ghost language exam later that evening because I would have failed. I would have known how to kiss the brown-eyed girl's beautiful lips, but that was not on the meeting schedule in this holy ghosty house. And there was a strong assertion that lustful kissing scared away the holy ghosty. And despite the ecstatic speech and sensual moans in the room, apparently the holy ghosty is a bit of a prude when it comes to things of the flesh. And I was 20, and looking to belong, longing for connection, hoping for comfort in my own skin. And I had lied about God and gifts and ghosts. All to impress a brown-eyed girl who I never saw again. That I know to be true.
0: Thank you so much, Paul. Brilliant as always, and you really closed out the evening in Port Stewart beautifully. Thank you. And that is it for this podcast. I'd just like to do a big shout-out to Linda Chambers in Dublin, who listens to the podcast on a regular basis. And I was talking to her today. Thanks, Linda. You can keep in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Also, email, which is story, at 10 by And check out our website, in case you don't know, Padraig Otuma, the co-founder of 10 by 9 has a new book out in Britain and Ireland, and coming out in the States and Canada shortly, called Poetry Unbound, 50 Poems to Open Your World. It's gorgeous, like the Poetry Unbound podcast, so be sure to bag yourself a copy. And speaking of podcasts, please tell as many people as you can about the 10x9 podcast. It helps get us noticed. Thanks to all the people who make 10x9 happen, whether in the black box or elsewhere, And thanks to our amazing audiences and all our storytellers, but especially Margaret McClory, including her parents, and Paul Hutchinson. I'm Paul Doran, and I'll be back with another podcast soon. But for now, bye-bye.